In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the win against Kievo. We'll be previewing the match against Napoli, this week's Inter Legends, Moratti, Frog and Moji, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Ecco Perisic, uno contro uno, gioco di gambe, guadagna il fondo, il cross, Icardi, e gol, 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 Maurito il Mamba! Sono i blocchi nell'area di rigore, arriva la palla, la prende Messino! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nimatavallo Irruzzari, wishing you welcome to a show that was uh, we were supposed to record last week, but uh, due to wedding arrangements and other issues, we were unable to. Uh, but we're back now, um, and uh, I am joined by the Semprinta.com uh, preview writer, the very appreciated preview writer on Semprinta.com, uh, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. How are you, Mo? I'm great. How are you guys? Good to be back. Good to have you back. And we are also joined by the Interlegends writer on Semprinta.com and also soon on YouTube, uh, Mr. Critty Smith. Welcome back, man. Haven't had you in a while. I uh, know, man. It feels like it's been six years in prison. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to why Inter makes everyone feels like they're in prison uh, in later on in this podcast. Uh, we're also joined by uh, our good friend uh, who also writes on Sempre Inter and as well as Serpent on Madonina and a host of other jobs because that's what a media personality does. Welcome, Mr. Will Beckman. Good evening. When, when you say that we had wedding problems for last week, what you mean is you went to a wedding? Yeah, I went to a wedding in North <laughs> Wales and I couldn't get, you know, and there, there, it, was, it was an issue. I didn't say wedding problems. I said there was a problem because there were, oh, never mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it was basically, I was really, it was just, everything was, just didn't work out. It was out. a kerfuffle. Yeah. It was a kerfuffle, yeah. yeah. Dates got anyway, mixed I'm, up. And... I'm looking forward to recording the episode that we should have recorded last week. Terrible result against Udinese, but against Kiev, I'm hopeful that we can uh, get back to winning ways. <laughs> and we are also joined by our good friend, the Kievo aficionado. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief at uh, Marca, uh, Marca English. He's also um, manage, managing editor at Forza Italian Football. He's been on us, been on Studio Inter before. Welcome back, Mr. Dobskiavone. Ciao, Nima. Ciao, guys. Pleasure as always. I, I've got, I've got some predictions. I think you might beat Kievo. Maybe just that would be difficult, but you'll manage it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll manage. Well, let's get into the whole Kievo game. Uh, I remember yesterday when you and I were, were were messaging on WhatsApp. I asked you. There's. Uh, <laughs> I wrote you. I, I said like, um, I'm nervous as hell, and you said Kievo are on holiday. And about an hour later, I said, yeah, they seem to be on holiday in their own penalty area because there's parking the bus and then there's literally nesting in your penalty area, which Kevo were doing in fair play to them. Um, but, I mean, the, the, you know, they, they knew that they, they you know, given, given everything that's happened, they probably weren't expecting anything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if we, if we talk about yesterday, are you, how disappointed are you? Uh, with how Kievo played, or are you positively surprised? What are your thoughts? Uh, they, did, they did good for five minutes. Uh, that, that was that was all right. Um, I thought, that, to be honest, I thought they did not too bad defensively. You're right, they were camped in the edge of the area, but I think that was kind of what they wanted to do is try and hit Inter on the counter-attack. It's just that they're pretty crap this season, to be perfectly honest, and they can't manage it. Um, it wasn't the worst they've played all season, I would say that, but it was kind of... It was almost as if when are Inter going to score, not if they were Inter, Inter were going to score. And obviously when uh, the first goal went in, that was it. It was game over. Um, and I think both teams kind of uh, realised that as well. So uh, it's not really a disappointment, like because the season's been finished since about December. It's almost, they're, Cable like been the opposite of Juve this season. Juve had the title wrapped up since about December and Cable been relegated since then as well. So it's kind of, I've had a few months to digest everything and kind of realize what's what's happened and 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 look to the future mm, that's that's a good point um and speaking of uh, i mean what happened this season and i mean the, the, i think most people are 
pretty much from thinking of Aventura. Do you want to elaborate a little bit? What the hell was the thinking behind Ventura? And then he just walked off as well. So, see, this is the thing. Like when, when Ventura was appointed, I thought that's, that was a good coaching appointment. Ventura isn't a bad coach. Obviously, he had a terrible time at Italy. But what he'd done at Torino, he'd done a really good job at Torino. And people are thinking to look over the fact he's a solid Serie A coach. He's not spectacular, but he gets more out of his teams than what the, kind of their worth and when he came in I thought that's a good appointment he's he, he's got the qualities to kind of get Cave out of the mess they were in but then obviously the, the truth came out after Sergio Polisi put his post on Instagram basically said that he didn't want to be there so it was clearly there for well, money or whatever reasons nobody, nobody knows really um, and, and that was kind of I don't want to say the beginning of the end, but it just kind of compounded things even more. And you're struggling when you've got coaches who go there and after about two weeks, they can't be bothered anymore. So it doesn't really, it probably doesn't transmit well to the players, kind of the, the younger ones and the more senior ones. And then you're like, you're, you've got not even won a game by the middle of December it's like you're just struggling and then that just drags the whole mentality of the team down and you can kind of see that in some games where they would maybe try like enters kind of almost a microcosm they'll try for 10 50 minutes they'll not get a goal something will go against them and then it's like right it's finished now there's no bother and that's kind of been what's happened in a number of games this season where it's looked like it's going well there'll maybe be a goal up the other team will come back and then they just collapse and it's been rubbish. I'll be perfectly honest. It's not. I was hopeful at the start of the season, but Christ, it's been depressing. Yeah. No, I agree. I can imagine. I'm going to hand you over to Mo. Do you have a question for our good friend Ov? Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, sorry about that. I wanted to ask you. Uh, so, so now uh, you're you're going down. Kievos, as you said, uh, has been going down since last year. What do you reckon the plan is moving forward? Uh, I mean, Kievo has been a staple of the Serie A for almost uh, for a bit over a decade now. Mm. Uh, does the club the club possess the resources, the ambitions uh, to make a bounce straight back, or do you reckon it's going to be a, it's going to take a bit of a long term rebuild pro, uh, project for for Kievo to come back consistently to the Serie A? To be honest, I think I think they'll come back straight up. They, they, as, as much as people do rag on them, they're a well-run club. They're one of the only clubs in Serie A that make a profit. And you can read into that what you will after what happened in the summer and the three-point deduction. But on paper, they make money. Um, the one, one good thing I will say is that they've got a really good Primavera team. Um, and they have, done, they have had one for a good number of years. Um, the problem, the problem has been that none, really, none of those Primavera prospects have made it into the into the first team that, that I can think of off the top of my head. They, they don't really manage to break through. And I think it was maybe about three or four years ago they actually won the um, the Primavera Cup, and none of the players came through that either. So I think that's going to be the thinking in the summer is try and get rid of some of the old guard that are there. Um, and then rebuild the team around you. You've seen that with Semper, who's in goals um, against Inter. He's 21, he's Croatian. You've got Vigneto, who is, he's, he's played a couple of games uh, basically since they've been officially relegated. Um, and I think that's the way that they'll go. They'll, they'll start, like, Polizia is obviously not going to be there. Sorrentino's not going to be there either. And I think a few of the kind of other ones um, won't be there. And, and they'll try and come up focusing on the youth team. Um, and I think Di Carlo is he's a coach. He said yesterday after the game in the mix zone that it's a club that he loves, he knows the club and he wants the best for it. And I think you have him staying there and then get some some of the youngsters in from the Primavera, maybe a couple of um not 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 kind of veteran Serie A players, not in terms of age, but players that have played in Serie A but maybe wouldn't get a game too much and then take them into Serie B. And then they'll come back up. Um, but I, I think I don't think it'll be any longer than one season down there. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, Will? Yeah, I wanted to to uh, expand a couple of um, talking points that you mentioned there, Dov. I mean, a couple of couple of strikers at the other at opposite ends of their careers. Um, Inter have been linked to Vignato in the last mm. sort of um, 
few weeks and months there was supposedly an attempt in January to get him and there's rumours that maybe Inter will sign him and then loan him back or whatever so um, do you think he's the kind of player that Inter could maybe uh, be interested in do you think he'd be an interesting investment for the future and then also just a couple of words on on Pellissier because obviously he's had an incredible career he had an amazing standing ovation in that game at San Siro which oh, was, I, got it. I got even which better was quite, which was uh, which was quite interesting um, how sad are you to see him to see him disappear into the the weird and wacky world of retirement. Um, on Vignato, I think uh, he, he could be one uh, that like, like a, a buy him and then loan him back for a couple of years. But I think he needs to play. Uh, I think that's a problem that kind of not not just for for Vignato, but for kind of young Italian players in general. Is that they'll they'll take a move to uh, Inter or Milan or Juve, one of the bigger teams, and then they'll sit on the bench for two three years, and by that time any development potential that they could have had is null and void and they kind of just become journeyman Serie A players. So I think that he's only 18 years old. A season in Serie B where he's playing every week would be perfect and then see what happens with them. But if Inter do make a move, I don't think it would be something where he'd come he'd come to Inter and go straight into the first team or even the Primavera. I think it'd be better for him to stay, if not at Kiev, or then to another team, maybe lower in Serie A. But as long as he's playing every week, I think that's the key to his development. Um, in terms of Sergio Policia, he's 40 years old, so he's like somewhere in twice the age of me. <laughs> He obviously, that was, it was really funny because it, obviously at the game you had Icardi who got taken off about three or four minutes before who got whistled to the high heavens and then two seconds later Policier comes on and he gets a standard ovation which I thought was great and then the end of the game I don't know if, you, if you've seen this on TV but he, he went, went over to the bottom of the Curva Sud and basically stripped um, he had everything off he only had his pants on uh, I don't know if he's managed to catch that, but I thought that was nice. That kind of everybody was kind of appreciative of him, and even after the game, he got uh, another ovation as well. And, and he kind of enjoyed the the moment um, of his final game at the San Siro. And yeah, it's, it's sad. He's the last bandiera. He's the, he's the last one. You've got oh, De Rossi. Obviously, he's off today, and there, there's none. There's no other ones. They're all gone. He's the last. Um, so it's sad. I thought he'd, I thought he'd have another season in Serie B and take them back up, but. Uh, it's not to be, um, but he's a nice guy and a brilliant striker as well. Not not when he was forty, maybe when he was thirty, but yeah, it's a sad day. Mm. I mean, by the time next season's Serie B campaign starts, he'll be forty-five. Because <laughs> it's going to be postponed by five years with all these appeals oh and God, legal, yeah. legal wrangling. So it's probably not a good idea if he stayed on for, for next season. <laughs> maybe Kevo could sign Icardi to replace. I'm not having that. No, so you can keep it. <laughs> oh, thanks. thanks. <laughs> All right, um, Critty, do you have a question for for Dov? Yeah, I was wondering. So we're at the almost the 14 minute mark before Cardi finally got mentioned. I was wondering how long we would get into the show without that name being dropped. But so we've already got that crossed off the list. Yes, um, I do have a question. This is rather long winded, so pardon the um, pardon the uh, the length of the question, but. In the past few years, I've been reading some interesting articles about two leagues in particular, uh, about the financial discrepancies between the top tier and the second flight being so unbelievably uh, top-heavy. Uh, particularly, the German Bundesliga and Serie A have where the money, where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And when you know you look at like this year's uh, German league, for example, I mean a lot of the teams that came up went right back down. Uh, is there a worry that? Kievo going down, that they become the next body or Regina or Brescia or somebody like that, where you know there's there's the the, the fine, it's just like you have all this money being distributed. It's like the, the top the the top eighteen, fifteen to eighteen teams kind of have this this feel about them where they they feel safe. But then like nineteen and twenty seem it's almost it seems like every single year when someone comes up, you can almost predict who nineteen and twenty going to be. That the third relegation team kind of seems always up for play, but uh, everyone kind of knew, okay, Frosinone is going down, you know, no question. Uh, mm -hmm. Last year, Benevento, no question, going right back down. Does, do you feel, do you have any fear of Kiel becoming one of those clubs that, that even if they come back up, are they going to be competitive again in Serie A? I honestly, I think I, I'm not too worried. I think the one thing maybe Kiel do have over some of the other teams that do go down is they've got 
stability. They've had Campadelli, the president, I think he's been there since about 1984. So he's always been there in terms of the, the, the way that the, the clubs run. It's, it's actually quite a well-run club. And I think, especially especially in Italy, having a well-run club is something that's a, a major advantage. And Chievo are that. Although, obviously, people will, will kind of point to the financial irregularities, if you want to say, in, in the summer. But even before then, the last I think off the top of my head, like three, four, five years, they've always turned a profit. It's a minuscule profit, but it's a profit nonetheless. And I think that um, is an example of how how the club runs itself. It doesn't spend too much to get, and get into financial trouble and you have issues with the, then more points being deductive or, or whatever, like like some of the other clubs like Palermo and Barry and uh, Foggia and teams like that who are big teams in their own right as well. And I think just even in, in the squad, depending on who they let go and who stays, there's actually like some quality players in that squad, the likes of um, Scalotto, you, obviously for you guys, he, he was rubbish, but for Cavo, he's a, he's a quality player. Um Giacchirini is another one as well. Medjurini, Hetemai, like there's some really good players in that team. I think kind of keep them the kind of core together and get rid of some of the crap ones. I think they can come back up because in terms of the the, the quality level in Serie B, there are a lot of teams that are pretty rubbish. And um, let's be perfectly honest, like the Serie A has its own number of teams, but I think Kiev will have enough quality and stability uh, to get back up straight away. So I'm not really, honestly, I'm not really too worried. I think it'll be a one season in Serie B, like the last time um, they went down, I think, what was that, 2007 or something like that. Uh, it was one season, so. That's what I was going to ask you about. Like, what is the difference between now and then? Oh, um, Christ. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, in the sense that, because I, I feel that, that back then, it felt like Kievo were prepared for it. They had something. Now it feels like a little bit the air has gone out of the whole Campadelli project. And, and maybe he's, you know, this, this is maybe the time to bow out gracefully. Do you, do you, do you, would you expect that? Honestly, no. I, I, I don't think he's, he'll ever bow. I think he'll be the president of that club until he can't <laughs> be a president anymore. Um, I think if he was going to bow, it would have bowed out um, way before that. Um, honestly, I can't. I'll be. I can't remember uh, in terms of why it was so bad. Uh, I. I think that this time is uh, for me. This time it feels like it's the end of a cycle. And that's probably kind of what happened last time because that that would have been the cable. They they were the the actual flying donkeys who came up and got to the Champions League and were amazing and were doing great things and I think that was the end of the cycle they went down to Serie B they've come back up and then apart from maybe the last two years they've been mid-table most seasons That's and I think true. now you've seen the end of that cycle of Pellissier of Dinelli of Sorrentino that's come to an end Yeah. and now they need to kind of I hope they go with the Primavera and, and get some of the younger players in and kind of build from there and then have a, another cycle uh, That that seems to me how it's going to work um, agreed. Um, let's talk a little bit about Inter. Um, I wanted to ask you, I mean, before the season, uh, what were you, do you think that Inter have, have kind of um, matched the expectations you had? Or, 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 I mean, in terms of what's happened on the pitch, if we leave the whole drama part <laughs> if, if aside, because no one saw that one coming. Um, but, but did you... I you mean, did. You, yeah. Did I? Yeah, you did. I remember we did a podcast and... When was it? It was. It must have been late December, early before it started. Oh. Um, and you said, you said, I remember, because I was, I was shocked that you said it. Oh yeah, you mean on your part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah, it was about the Cardi thing. Yeah, but it's it's because I yeah no, yeah, I did, I did, that was. But I didn't expect the nude photographs, <laughs> the way that kind of escalated into into whatever it whatever it has now. Um, but no, I mean, I would say, I mean, looking at Inter season, I mean, if Inter were to finish third, which they look like they're going to do uh, and qualify for the Champions League, I mean, how would you rate Inter season? To be honest, I think it's one that's kind of like promised so much but delivered so little. I think, uh, I think it was maybe you you put on Twitter where you look at Inter uh, after they, they got, went out of the Champions League, I think they were near the top of the table, they just went out of the Champions League and they were playing good football and the sign-ins were kind of blending in well and it was all hopeful. So from there, it looked like everything was going good and then obviously the stuff with the Guardi happened and has been, honestly, watching them every week it's, or every other week at least, it's been pretty turgid. Um, there's just, there's something's broken 
and you you guys will probably know better about what it is than me, but um, there's something not right in in terms of the, the team and how they play. I mean, even last night against Kievo, that should have been five 0 easily before half time, but for whatever reason, Inter can't finish their dinner, and I think that's that's kind of been something that's kind of permeated almost the entire season. The, the players are there, but there's something wrong. And, and I don't think it's maybe manager-wise <laughs> or kind of the ability of the players. I think it's a mentality thing. Mm, couldn't agree with you more. Um, well, um, before this, I don't think anyone would have predicted uh, Fabio Quagliarella winning the Capo Canoniere, but it looks like he is. Um, uh, or or do, you, do you think he will? Or do you reckon that, because it's always towards the end, there's always someone who you know, has a f- crazy day and scores four goals in one day. Do you, do you think that's over? Do you think Qualiarella will get it? Or do you think maybe Ronaldo will you know, score five or something? <laughs> no, I think, I, think, I think he's got it in the bag. I mean, Zapata, he's already had his game where he scored four goals in one game. He's not doing that again. And he's four goals behind him. And Ronaldo's, what, five goals behind? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that with two games to go, um, I think he's got it in the bag. And the, the, the one interesting thing, Sampdoria played Juve on the last game of the season. So if Ronaldo gets a couple of goals against Atalanta at the weekend, you could have the Capo Canonieri playoff Ooh. between those two. That, that nice. would make it that, that game a little bit interesting because other than that, it's a dead robber. It absolutely is. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Dov. I uh, hope uh, we... I, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I absolutely hate that stadium, that you know that. We've spoken about it. Uh, the, <laughs> it is where happiness goes to die. And, I, I you know, I, I, I like Kievo, but I just wish they'd get a new stadium. Otherwise, yeah, well, that... <laughs> do you know how many away fans that I managed to see last night? No. Two. <laughs> and that was that was outside the game as well. Like and uh, looking at the where the away fans sit, I couldn't see anybody. I was like, Christ, they can't even get anybody to come from Verona, which is only like a couple of hours away on a Monday night. There you go. <laughs> so if people want to follow you on Twitter, what's your handle in that? All that uh, jazz. Twitter is at Dobskiavone. Um you can follow Forza Time Football at Serie A FFC and I've got a Facebook thing as well. Um, so do bits in there but I'm not, I'm not the best social media person so <laughs> no, alright nice one Dov thanks for coming on pleasure guys thank you ciao right there's um, nothing that screams there's nothing that screams Serie A more than two men in their mid 30s fighting it out to be top scorer that'd be that's what Sampdoria Juventus <laughs> would be at the end of the season yeah, yeah, that, it literally would, wouldn't it? It really yeah. is Syria. But I mean, I mean, Qualiarella this season has been absolutely, I mean, wow, what a season he's had. I mean, if he could finish on 30 goals, talk about a Di Natale season for him. Um, well, he's always, been a sc- he's always been a scorer of great goals, not a great yeah. scorer of goals. So. No, exactly. Anyway. Inter. Let's talk right. Let's let's talk about the the Kievo match. Um, I I, I was uh, I mean we we you know we've joked a little bit about the whole uh, crosses and inshallah thing that Inter are doing, but yesterday it was corners and inshallah on steroids. Thirteen corners, not a single one, not a single one was even a, a half chance of a goal. This is what annoyed me the most. This, 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 this incredible notion that Inter—it seems they're un. I mean, it's not. It's not just set pieces. It's just generally this crossing thing. They can't cross the ball. They need players who can cross the ball. And I was, I was going absolutely mad at that. Um, and and Cedric, who's supposedly a good crosser, you know, Brozovic, who, who's good for Croatia. What is it about Inter that gets people get gets players to, to not be able to cross decent balls? Uh, Will? There's a, I don't know, maybe Mykon's cursed that side of the pitch when he, when he left. Some kind of Bella Gutman style hex. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think it just uh, marks out a lack of ideas. And that's really, you know, that's the problem that's befallen this team for the last, what, four years. There's no, uh, there's no attacking structure. Um, the defence is lovely and that's set up for the next few years. But, you know, when we're going forward... Things are going to have to be sort of profoundly revamped in the summer. Otherwise, we're going to be watching the same turgid 2-0 wins against other smaller teams next season. I can't give you a, a specific answer on the cross. No, it's I just understand. A, it's, just a, it's just a thing we, we do, you know. But I think last <laughs> night was... Last night was... If we, if we were saying it that last night was a microcosm of cable season, which is what Dov said, I think it's probably a microcosm of our season as well. And I'm going to go back to the analogy that I mentioned on a, a couple of pods ago where... 
Fulvio said it's like a hospital soup this season. You know, it's fed you, but it didn't taste of anything. And that was last night. You know, we got the points, but it was just the same old sturgy, stodgy team that has not got much future. So I well, don't think I don't have much to say about the game, really. Well, well, I mean, if 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 the you know if 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 it's true what Dimarcio and everyone has reported today that Antonio Conte has accepted Inter's offer and that he's no longer waiting. Uh, or he's not even open to getting a call from, you know, uh, for, from uh, Max Allegri, uh, sorry, from uh, Agnelli to replace Max Allegri at Juve. He's basically decided that he's going to Inter. Um, you know, there's been talk of Danilo from Man City, and there's even been talk of Matteo Darmian. Now, is that the answer to break Maicon's curse, Mo? Or uh, what do you think? No, I don't think uh, Matteo Darmian will break anybody's curse, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, honestly, no, but uh, you, Danilo you, uh, as well. You, Danilo as well. Danilo as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, no. Look, I, I, I thought I was thinking about it yesterday. I, I honestly don't think that uh, Cedric uh, put in a bad performance, especially in the crossing department. He did, he did all right. I think yesterday's problem was uh, attacking-wise was was twofold, and uh, it was Icardi and then Angolan. Icardi was out of position at almost every attacking. Uh, attacking instant. He wasn't making the right runs. He cut back when he was supposed to follow through. He'd go to the far post when the cross was coming at the near post. He was just off yesterday. And Raja, yesterday, I, I don't know, I, I can't remember when his first touch on the ball was. I think he touched the ball for the first time somewhere around the, the 30th minute. So I, I, I think when these two when these two guys aren't present in the box, what, what can you expect from the rest of the players? Um, Crossing and inshallah, the corners, the corners thing, I'm, I'm with you 100%. You can't have 13 corners and not have a single <laughs> header on target or a single shot on target developing from them. I mean, statistically, you need at least, you know, three scoring opportunities per whatever, per six corners and one out of two. And then, uh, you know, maybe uh, one, one out of six uh, goes in. But uh, to, to waste 13 scoring opportunities like that was, was, was just ridiculous. But, you know... Uh, the crossing and inshallah business. I, I don't know. I'm 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 lost to really um, criticize the team tactically or technically at this point in the season. Right now, I think uh, uh, everyone's hobbling to the finish line, and we all we all know what needs to be done. And the guys got it done yesterday. And considering all the noise that's surrounding Conte and Spalletti and the players and Icardi and this and that, and you know, I I think. We can't, we can't really expect more from these guys. They got the three points in the bag and we can't really discuss about performance and tactics too much or look into, look into it too, too deeply at this very weird stage in the season. Mm, okay. That's interesting. No, it, and it has been a weird season and it's a weird stage of the season. And After the game, Luciano Spalletti was asked uh, if he, he seemed like he was a little bit resigned uh, to the fact that he, he went on a... 10-minute rant threatening to pretty much punch the journalist who asked him that, saying that he looks a bit... What was it, Will? What was it What was it he said he looked like? Um, like his nose... Questo, questo musino un po' bianchino, un po' smunto. Ha un problema, qualche problema. He said he had a sort of a white, sort of emaciated nose, I think. Yeah. Is what he was saying. You look that, like you're, you're not... Like you don't feel very well. You okay? Yeah, you don't look I'll, like you're feeling well. I'm not the one who's resigned here, you know. Yeah, you're the one who looks resigned. You're the one with the problem. <laughs> Stop, you know, you're offending me. I mean, to me, uh, when you win and you react that way, I mean, the man knows he's on his way out. And and to be honest, I, I, I've... I've, you know, I thought I thought Spalletti was great the first season. I think this season he's created so much trouble. He's been part of the problem uh, as opposed to part of the solution, and that's why he's leaving. Uh, he he got himself sacked. I honestly think that if he had handled that whole situation better uh, and not been so incredibly stubborn and and permaloso, he's yeah, really you know, he's really prickly. Yeah, he's very prickly, and he, and he's also this this picking a fight business and rocking the boat. Uh, I mean, the whole thing when he says that Icardi is not Ronaldo and Messi, and then three days after later he has to walk it back. You know, this is this is something that he's created. You know, uh, that's why you know that's why I think he got sacked because otherwise I think he'd be he'd be on for another two. You know, for at least another season. But having said that, 
Um, it is, it is, I do understand, I think he did raise a very interesting point, and I want to hear what you think about that, Kriti. Uh, he said that for the past nine years, the media has been destabilizing and creating turbulence at Inter, which is kind of what um, Marotta also said. And Marotta said that we're not been, we've not been destabilized, but we've been... Um, we, we, we're, we, there's this, this, this nonsense, you know, these rumors create uh, turbulence. Uh, as always, Paletti doesn't listen to what anyone says, but instead goes out and, and throws a temper tantrum and says that, you know, in, I defend myself and I defend Inter. Inter fans should defend Inter as well because they've been doing this to Inter. If Inter want to choose another coach, that's fine. But for every day for three months, they've been writing uh, the same thing over and over and over again. And they've received, uh, you know, confirmation from uh, from other people, from, from people within the club that it's not going to happen. So at this point, you know, they don't treat Inter the same way, etc., etc. I hear to hear your thoughts, Kriti. What what do you make of all that? Sounds like a very Donald Trump thing to say. Um, <laughs> so why doesn't the media destabilize Juve or Napoli or anyone else for that matter? The, the so the media's got a target on Inter's back, and they hate us, and they're just going to create rumors. Uh, the, the the Inter has always, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, has always when they when when. When, the, when it's rained outside, they've always been their own worst enemy, and it's always been self-inflicted gunshot wounds. It's never been the media or some spy or, you know, uh, um, Eric Snowden or, or Clinton emails. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's been inter. It's been the club. It's been the players. It's been the coaches. It's been the sporting directors, whoever. I'm not saying specifically those titles, but I'm saying it's always been someone within the club. I've never known... This is this this almost like uh, like Soviet paranoia, like you know, oh, the media is out to get us. I mean, it's it's that's ridiculous. I don't buy that for a second. I I don't think that the media does anything except they probably they've probably honed in on Inter now because it's there's seen where there's where there's smoke, there's always fire, and Inter there seems to be always this this perpetual cloud of smoke over the club. And, you know, you started talking about this or whoever started talking about it in December or January about Icardi and every single thing became to be true. Yeah. Everything. The I was afraid of it. Thing. There wasn't a single lie. <laughs> there wasn't a single untruth about Icardi. He, he and his wife created this entire thing. And yes, I agree with you. Spalletti could have handled it better. He handled it very poorly at times. But Everything that the Icardis did turned out to be true. How does the media not sink their teeth into that? That's liquid gold. I mean, you don't see um, Ronaldo, you know, if they, if they had a story like that on Ronaldo, it would be reported just as, as heavily, probably more so, because I can tell you this. This is a sad thing. If I go around in the United States with an Icardi jersey, most people have no idea who that is. They literally have no clue who that is. But if you have a number seven yeah. Juventus kit on, man, everybody knows who that is. Everybody knows who that is. So if, 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 the, if the media had a story on, on Ronaldo or on, you know, somebody at, you know, top clubs like, uh, you know, um, Juve or Barca or Real Madrid or somebody like that, they, they, they would report it just as much. But Inter, Inter always have this, this perpetual rain cloud over the club, it seems, uh, when times are down, you know, obviously there's the whole glory period, you know, from 10, 15 years ago where that wasn't the case. But I mean, ever since the this the all the Cardi drama and the stuff from, you know, before 2005, whenever there was any kind of drama, or whatever, it was always self-inflicted. And of course, the media is going to report on it. And, and, and now they just look for stories. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like if you. If you have a, a gold mine that you can go to and you know there's always treasure there, you're going to keep going back to it. Well, Inter supplies an abundance of, of, of juicy stories that, you know, Gazetta or whoever can report on. And so Spalletti is, you know, at this point, like you said, he's on his way out. At this point, you can just degeneration X crotch chop everyone on your way out from the podium <laughs> because you don't care, brother. You know, I mean, you can just give him the old bird and flip out, and that's fine. I mean, you know, you have nothing to lose at this point. But now he's Inter's always been their their own worst enemy when it came to this stuff. And and you know, until we get rid of this, uh, and I, I think you know, like Marotta could be the answer, hopefully here. But you know, it's 
it, it like we were talking about before with the Mycon curse. I mean, that's a curse too. I mean, it's it's like every single person that comes to enter all of a sudden gets worse at everything they do. Like some their abilities. Some, some people call it the D'Ambrosio curse because we've signed fullbacks for the past decade, and D'Ambrosio is still the starting one. Yeah, um, exactly. and would it surprise anyone if he was next season as well? Like, you know but, what I mean? this is, but this has got to no, be. But, this has got to be one second. One second. Uh, this has got to be the most frustrating third place team of all time because yeah. I'm sitting here. The games come on here most of the time, noon or mid afternoon in the United States. I literally decided that I'm going to go mow the lawn because it's more entertaining than watching them. And that's, I mean, that's true. I think I, mean, I, I like, think it's a toss up. It's, it's a toss up between Inter and Maurizio Sarri's Chelsea for that. I think they're both the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, misfortune of following both of them. Yeah, Mo, that's, that's Mo, close, I want to. I want to hear what Mo thinks. Mo, you want to say something? Yeah. No, I want to say a couple of things. Uh, the first is, look, I, I, I am the first person to speak about uh, speaking against uh, this. Uh, uh, you know, victimization, attitude, oh, woe is me, the world is against me, blah, blah, blah. But you can't deny that Inter is reported on in the Italian press completely differently to, to Milan or, and, uh, and Juve. I mean, I, I, just off the top of my head, with the one, the one uh, headline in Gazetta, I remember it was Mancini, Tutto okay, mm. mister? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. well, too bene, mister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After like two losses or something, like come, come the frick on, you know. So, so, I mean, and, and we're we're gonna get to my Moratti of the week later on, but th there's there's no denying the fact that the Italian media reports on Inter the same the same story that might occur or break in Milan or Juve or in Napoli or in Roma is reported on when it breaks in Inter with a completely different spin and bias. That's that's uh, I, I think. No two people who who are objective and follow Italian sports media can can really argue too much. The reasons behind this, maybe because Inter has, like you say, there's been smoke uh, over the club for a long time. We shoot ourselves in the foot. It's a compounding of years of incompetence, whatever that may be. But the result is, or the, the, the conclusion is that at this point in time, the stories are reported on Inter in a way that's in a manner that's different to how they might be reported on the same story for other clubs. The other thing I really want to touch back on is really, I, I think we, we're, we're putting too much emphasis on this uh, right back uh, situation. Maicon was probably the best right back, you know, it was a toss up between him and Danny Alves at that time. We were lucky to have the best right back in the world, but most clubs don't have an amazing right back. Uh, Will, do you have something you want to say? Yeah, I just wanted to say that I think Quilly does make a really good point about how, you know, when you when you find treasure, you keep going and you keep mining there. And I think one thing that frustrates me about Inter is that they're they're always a very leaky club. You know, if these rumors about about Conte and about the contacts that have been going on with Conte and, and the rumors about, you know, rifts in the dressing room have have come out, then you know, someone has has set, has leaked them. Someone has given those stories to, you know, a contact. You know, I, the one I have in mind at the moment is the, the the story about what happened before the Lazio game when Spalletti said, he, Mauro, do you have something to say? And he said, you know, no, I think I've already done everything. And he said, OK, then. And then afterwards he was he was left out. You know, those are really specific details that someone must have passed on because you can't you can't sort of fabricate that. Like that's that's quite a damaging thing to have come out. And that's sort of that's just something that's been happening for a long time. I, I find that very frustrating. And, you know, if, if you know, from a journalistic point of view, this is Inter do give you great stories. So, you know, and also compared to, not compared to, to Milan and Juventus, but certainly compared to Roma and, and Napoli and, and Lazio and whoever else, Inter are a bigger club. They're going to get reported on more. More people are interested in Inter, particularly if they're people who read the, the Gazetta, which is a Milan-based paper. You know, they, they have to go big on these things. So, you know, you'd, you'd, if they didn't do it, I think you'd, and, you know, I think you'd have to ask questions of the, the editorial direction of the paper, you know, because Agreed. these are these. Yeah, are, but but I got to say, I agree with you. But what Mo was talking about, and this is this is something that was very prevalent back, you know, I, I wouldn't I, I, I'm kind of in the middle here because what Mo talks about 
it was true. I mean, back, you know, the destabilization of how if Inter did something, okay, Inter, Inter is a perpetual screw-up, okay? They, they can always make, you know, they're, they're the only team in Italy who can literally snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. There's no doubt about that. Pazza Inter, all that. But at the same time, Mo, I mean, the, you know, growing up, the way the media... The way they create their problems. If if Juve or Milan lost two games, it wouldn't be an issue. But as soon as Inter did, um, it became a big issue. I mean, I mean, Mourinho's famous intellectual prostitution speech was just about that. About how you know we you know Milan is owned by Mediaset or we you know the same owner who owned Mediaset who owns a bunch of channels in Italy also owned Milan with Berlusconi. You know he had you know Juventus. Etc. You know, that's what he was. That's the stuff he, you know, he was talking about back then, and how that was very, very prevalent. How Inter were unfairly treated in in, in how things were presented. Personally, I I think that that we're past that stage now. Um, the things that have been going on this season, the reporting that has been going on this season, has been, in if anything, it's been in 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 complete, um, you know, it has completely been in. Uh, exponential to the madness, the insanity that started on Christmas Day with Raja Nainggolan sending out this WhatsApp message that he basically thinks all Inter fans are idiots, he wants to go back to Rome. And then every single day from then on, it has been one mind-boggling insanity after another. And the media has been, it's their job to report it, like you said, Will, if they don't, they're not doing their jobs properly. But I do definitely understand what Mo's talking about, because he's referring to a period which is most of my and Mo's period as, as we've been alive and following Inter, of how the media has has really targeted Inter out. And this was especially so during the Moratti years. Um, so, so I think there's, you know, I think, there, you know, both of those things are true, you know, without... without Nima, if I can say one more thing. Go, th- go through it. Okay. So what you just said is, is I agree with 100%. Nangolan saying this. So let me ask you this. When is Inter going to make the move to stop bringing in people that say stupid things like this? These characters <laughs> who draw attention. You, you know, you know why they ask like when people when asked they ask Donald Trump questions. The reason is because it's usually ninety nine percent stupid things that people laugh at, and it's entertaining. It's funny because it's stupid, and that's why you keep asking him. If he was dull and boring, they wouldn't talk to him. Yeah. He's he he he's he's entertaining in a weird, stupid way. So of course, when when you have like, hey, hey, let's go talk to Nine Golong. Let's go talk to you know, Icardi's got some gold for us. I mean, you 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 know that. The, the, the media has a target on Inter's back, and yet we, we seemingly sign always one or two players eventually that are going to, to give them, the, the, the media and the reporters exactly what they want. They, they want to report on the tension and the struggle in the locker room and the division within the, 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 the players, and we deliver that to them time and time again. So, of course, it, there's a lot of what most we're everyone here is saying truthful things, but it's like so. When is Inter going to change that to where the media says, "Ah, you know what? They're a successful, boring club like Juve. There's nothing to report here except they win a lot." When when mm. is that going to happen to where Inter is just a normal, successful club as opposed to this complete and utter? I don't think that'll. I don't think it'll ever happen. That's that's part of the club's DNA. This yeah, don't, don't, don't hold your don't hold your breath. On it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so then we can. Ex- I mean, then we can expect this. We should just. It should be something that we're that we're all. I mean, I'm used to it by now. I know the three, the four of us here should be. I mean, it's it, it's just uh, it comes part of being a, a, a supporter of this club. Absolutely, and I mean Inter, you know, absolutely. But but it's it, it is part of it. But it has become better. I mean, under Suning and with Marotta, that's why I support them because as I'm exhausted. Okay, I'm mentally drained. This you know th- these past <laughs> four, five months, like covering this team daily on a daily basis for the past four months, have felt like twelve years. You know, it's it's I'm drained. It's been one insane thing after another. And 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 it's it, I'm actually I've never been so tired as I was in you know starting at start of April I was counting the days for the season to end and not because I was you know not not because Inter had nothing to play for Inter actually had things for play for but it was just because what what now I mean we we have had everything that you have on a cheesy bad soap opera or a daytime or or a reality TV show we have had everything. 
We have had all of it. We've had nudity. We've had nude shocks. We've had, uh, you know, uh, you know, some conversations of people telling what they think about each other and not so, you know, in endearing terms. We've had a, we've had someone's wife cry on TV every week for seven, you know. 12 weeks we've had a we've had a we've had a club captain be stripped of his captaincy he's then he decided to fake a knee injury just let that sink in and because he was stripped of his captaincy um you know and, and all the mess with with the, with the dressing room and and all, all the other things and then you have and once all that was resolved you have a coach who is insane who decided to make it worse because his ego was in question and then you have you know all of this has been brewing at one football club for four and a half months so it, it's been draining um and 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 at the end at the end of the day this is not during Moratti's time, you know, this is the kind of thing you might have expected then. But this is this is during Suning, who are very sensible, and with with Marotta. I personally think that these things will never go away because it's Inter, you know, <laughs> it's just Inter. But but I think they will be uh, they'll be heavily reduced. And let's let's be honest that um, Marotta didn't buy Nangolan. Uh, Marotta never bought Nainggolan in his career. Um, he never got him to Juve at, 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 when, when Conte was there. He's never signed him. I think the characters you're looking for, those are the players. Those are those are the those are the type of signings we're going to make in the future. I think Inter are going to be a little bit boring, and and I think that's a little bit sad. Uh, I, I will miss. You know it. when it was when it was quiet though. When it was quiet from 2006 to 2010, 2012 even. Look at the players that were on the squad. It wasn't quiet, dude. You had Mourinho going out and frying everyone under the sea. I was yeah. going to say. Uh, Ibrahimovic. <laughs> yeah, and, and also before that, you had an Ibrahimovic and Vieira and Matarato. Balotelli. By Balotelli, come on. I don't know. Balotelli <laughs> burning socks in the dressing room. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me say this. Then. Let me say this. Uh, it's, you're right. It's never been quiet. But think about, like, you had the, the Zanettis. You had the Walter Samuels, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. You had... The Militos, uh, you had some leaders in yeah. the locker room. That, that's the dressing. thing. You had leaders, but Inter has. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I meant by that. Yeah. No, it's never been quiet, but it was quieter. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was. It was always. Uh, it was always chaos. But the difference was that you had a good, like you said, you had leaders and you had a roster of players that that didn't let that affect the pitch. Uh, and you had a fantastic coach who who could def deflect all of that and and you know all that stuff. So I don't think it'll ever be quiet. And and if and I think that's a mistake. I mean, if Suning and Marotta think they're going to bring Juve into Inter, it's never going to work. Um, because that's not the you know that's not the DNA of this club. It's it's controlled madness. When it's when it's working, it's controlled insanity. Um, when it's not working, it's <laughs> it's what we've had for the past five months: utter chaos and utter insanity. Um, so uh, we yes. all we all need a long, long lie down. Here for I, summer. I, I'm I'm going to enjoy this summer so much. <laughs> like <I'm>, everyone. <laughs> Grab the nearest lilo and jump into the <laughs> sea and just uh, sit there just, for a month. Yeah, I mean, Ima Icardi's going to have to send you an apology uh, Hallmark card. <laughs> no, he, he well, what he, he can he can start by putting his clothes on. <laughs> you know, that, that's all the apology I need. Right. Um, let's. Uh, I mean, we do play Napoli uh, this, this Sunday night uh, in a game where Inter can actually afford to lose, but I prefer if they didn't. Uh, Napoli have nothing to play for. And Napoli prob will probably want to beat Inter, so I think we're going to end up in a in a rather uneventful one-one draw. That's that's kind of my feeling of this. There's nothing, nothing's going to happen. And and uh, what, from what I've understood, De Laurentiis is 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 is, is, is once again on on the warpath with his own fans because he's they they don't like that he's raised the prices, and he's too pissed off that they they don't appreciate him. So so everything is normal in Naples. Um, uh, they're 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 already finished second. Um, Will just quickly, what, what are you expecting from this game? Do you think Inter will win, lose? Give me a prediction. Oh, I'm because of the way we are. I'm less nervous than I was for the Kievo game because you know it's this is the kind of game where something can happen. Um, I would very much like to win this game because that means that we don't go to the last week game of the season with something still you know, in the air in terms of Champions League qualification. If we can just get it done before the last day madness, that would be lovely. I think it's within our capabilities. Uh, Brozovic will be back. Lautaro will be back. Um, so I, 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 I hope that's the case. Napoli have nothing to play for. It's been so long since we won in Naples. I feel like now's the time to do it. You know, it would be, it would be lovely if just we could get rid of this 22-year uh, this hex. 
but uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be a very tense and, and nervy weekend. I just hope that by the end of it, we've got we've got sixty nine points and the, the top four is is done. Because you know, Empoli <laughs> Empoli might not be safe in that. They might not be relegated yet. They might need a result in the last week. So let's just avoid all of that, please. And yes, <laughs> which you know, which you know that we won't. But okay, great. no, I've, I, know, I know everything <laughs> I'm saying is is absolute nonsense. We're going to go to the last game. We're going to need a draw, and we'll need a last minute equalizer, or we'll hit have Empoli hit the post in the last minute. And it's going to be horrible, but at least I'm going to pretend that it's possible that the, that the opposite will happen. I love how Will is like, la, 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 la. <laughs> right. Uh, Mo, <laughs> Mo, where are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm uh, standing behind the fact that uh, when Pellissier came onto the pitch, we all, we all saw the equalizer coming and it didn't. Yeah. So I, I, I'm riding that wave of luck all the way down to Naples. And I think we're going to come back home with the three points. Oh, really? Um, do you, do it's you think... time. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. yeah. It's you time. Want... Do you want yeah. predictions from us? Or should yes, we just say it's I want time? Predi- yeah. I want predictions. I want predictions. Uh, okay. Uh, Nainggolan, Vecino, Mertens, 2-1. Okay. Good, af- Good afternoon. Mo, Mo. It's an evening game. I, I think it's I a 2-1. I think it's... Okay. Good I think evening. it's... Mo, I think it's uh, I think it's two uh, one, but I think it's the one one that you predicted, Nima. But then, uh, but then someone sneaks uh, a cheeky uh, a cheeky goal right at the end, and it can't be anyone but Vicino, like uh, Will just said. So, whoever scores the first goal, Vicino's going to score the second and, and get, get, uh, bag the winner. A uh, critty. Yeah, I don't. Thoughts? I don't feel like it would. We, the, the theme of the show. I don't feel like it would be really enter unless we took it to the last day would it no I mean, <laughs> not like we should we just should i mean just feels right to take it to the last day and of course against the team <laughs> probably need the points to stay up um just can we we can't stop it we can't stop it from happening so let's just so let's not spend the next five days worrying about it let's spend the next five days pretending that it will all be fine and then we'll only have one day of of angst this week which will be sunday when the game actually happens you know, just love, let me have this i love how few will, weeks. Is, will is the youngest guy on here and he's literally sounding like he's been an inter fan for 40 years like that's the kind of lies one tells one 2018 19 is gonna <laughs> never gonna finish uh, it's not no, it's not it's just gonna keep hell is hell my idea of hell is a season the 2018-2019 season, where where it's just new things. It's it's a it's a constant tiki taka show with Wanda and Casano arguing. That that's hell, right? Um, okay, let's uh, move on to. Um, well, I never. The... You didn't hear my prediction. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Go. In a way, in a funny way, we have truly been the anti Juve this season, have we not? <laughs> um, my prediction yeah. is it's going to be a one-one draw. Inter pick up one point. It'll be uh, Perisic and Mertens with uh, two two goals that cross each other out. Uh, that's I second that. That's actually exactly what I think it is. It, it will be the only difference is I think Insigne will score for Napoli and I think Raja will score for Inter. So one-one. Um, right. Uh, let's move on to the part of the show uh, where we walk down memory lane and pay tribute to a great Inter manager or player worthy of being labeled Inter Legends, uh, presented by Mr. Critty Smith. Non è un personaggio uh, che che può essere sostituito perché era un personaggio assolutamente unico. Il fatto che abbia sempre uh, pensato e avuto nel cuore due colori, il nero e l'azzurro. Okay, gentlemen, so this week's Interlegend is a 10-year veteran of the club, uh, one of the greatest defenders when he played. Uh, and so this is, this is, this is going to get kind of shaky here because in those 10 years, he only averaged 16.9 appearances per season. He was injured or off the pitch a lot. Um, Mr. Walter Samuel, uh, Argentina is one of Argentina's greatest uh, exports as far as uh, the, the back four. Uh, two performances that are legendary, in my opinion, are the Barca Champions League semifinal match in 2010 is following that up with the Bayern Munich final in 2010, which clinched the treble for Inter that season. Uh, so Walter Samuel, when he played, he was uh, a, 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 just a man amongst boys as far as, um, you know, leading that back line. The problem is that if you look at his overall seasons, you know, there were seasons where he played 10 matches, 12 matches. 18 matches total. So it, you almost get the feeling that if you had a player that 
was at Inter for say four or five seasons, and he put that that many. If you take the average of those of the appearances per season, you would say, well, that's kind of a, a you know not a large enough sample size to be dubbed an Inter legend. I think a lot of the Inter legend comes from the fact that he was a part of the trouble winning side, won multiple Scudetti, uh, obviously won the Coppa Italia as well, and was uh, over 50 caps for his native Argentina, in addition to the fact that, um, you know, he, he played for 10 seasons, as I said. But in those 10 seasons, he never played 30 games one time for Inter in the league, uh, the highest being 28. So I'm, I have mixed emotions with, with it. I feel like the longevity definitely gets in there. It, it's, it's, it's more like a, um, you, you know, uh, you, you were here long enough and you did enough good things in the time when you, when you did play because when he was on the pitch, make no mistake about it, he was, he was the alpha male. He was, um, uh, like I said, a man amongst, amongst boys. Absolutely world-class defender and someone you wanted in your dressing room because he was a part of the reason why, as you said Nima, earlier, that organized chaos worked so well for those five seasons. Um, but I will, Nima, I'm going to start with you, get your opinion and your take on Walter Samuel as far as interlegends and take into account you know, all the missed time uh, because that does, that does play into it a good bit, I feel like. For, for me, uh, the reason why I, I think he's an interlegend is, I mean, the fact that he only lost one single derby. He won, he won every single derby he played in, except for the last one. Um, and, and that, to me, kind of epitomizes him. He was hard as nails in defense. You know, when, when he decided to shut the game down and not let anyone pass him, whether it's Ibrahimovic or Shevchenko or whoever it was, they didn't get past him. Um, and I think uh, he was he was such a fantastic central defender, one of the best Inter have had in modern times. And and yes, the fitness issue was a problem. But at that time, Inter had had really good defenders. You had Cordoba, you had Materazzi, um, you, you know Lucio. Uh, so therefore, they could you know Mourinho and and, and and Mancini they they could have they 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 had the luxury of rotating them, uh, and so that you know it didn't really matter which one they played because they. They were all of such good quality that that they all kind of complemented each other. Um, but he, but but for me, his attitude and leadership on the pitch, uh, his 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 ability to to give that extra when it really mattered in the big games, um, especially against Milan. I mean, he tormented them. I mean, one loss that that was his last derby, uh, which we can blame on Uncle Mazzari. Uh, losing that game, uh, but no, I, for me, he is he is he is not just because of the the um, the, the, the the treble, but I mean the, the fact that he came from Real Madrid after having a difficult season there, and then just got into Inter's uh, you know Inter's Mancini, and then just really took off. He lifted the team. Will, what about you? What are your thoughts on Samuel? I mean, he's a dying breed, isn't he? Uh, that kind of defender doesn't really get produced anymore. Um, no, I don't think there's any there's any question. I mean, to be honest, any, anyone who was in that squad for the tripletta, you know, you have to have done something pretty seriously wrong to to not be a, considered into legend for the importance of that. Um, and you know, he was one of the. I think more than anything, he was someone that got the fans going. You know, they, the people still talk about him. Um, you know, whenever we have a good defender, he's immediately compared to Samuel. So I think that tells you a lot about his um, his mythical status amongst amongst journalists and amongst supporters. But I think Nima's got it right with the sort of um, his ability to rise to the occasion. You know, those are, those are the, the, the players that you want in your team. And, you know, I've just a, a couple of minutes ago, I saw a, a video on my, on social media of him scoring the, the last minute winner in a 4-3 win against Siena under Mourinho, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and taking his shirt <laughs> off and screaming and, and running to the corner for like, you know, that's the kind of, that's what he was. He was just sort of charisma. Um, so I, I I think it's a no-brainer, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think I, I can't. I can't imagine. You know, he may even he'd be in contention to get into a best Inter eleven ever. You know, at exactly. least for the last thirty years. So I don't think there's Absolutely. any there's any question. Absolutely. Mo, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with everything I said. Uh, especially what Will said. You know, you'd be very hard pressed uh, to not have a very special place in your heart for any of the tripletta winners. And I think, uh, like Nima also mentioned, in an era where there was a plethora of fantastic central defenders, and despite uh, Samuel playing, you know, uh, sporadically, uh, he's probably been the standout guy 
in that in that uh, in that uh, decade or so, and just goes to goes to speak, it speaks volumes of uh, what his output was on his field on the field. So I completely agree. This guy uh, will always uh, have a very special place in my in my heart. So what do you so Nima? If you would talk about ranking him amongst uh, among inter defenders, I mean, where do you where do you place him? You, would you put him in your top five all time? Wow, um, Inter have had some fantastic central defenders. Um, so I, I I tend to find it really difficult to to like put them all uh, into. You have to. I divide like the football into four or five different eras. I think of the past thirty years, no doubt about it. He, he is the best. He's the best central defender we've had of the past 20, 30 years. Uh, I think he's better. He he was better than. You know, if you consider Bergomi a right back or, or a central defender, fair enough. Ricardo Ferri is, is the, my second there of the, of the past 20, 30 years. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I can't imagine, I can't remember a central defender that was so, so intelligent with the ball at his feet, yet so difficult to pass. And, and he was a beast in the air. He, 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 was, uh, he, he was a complete central defender. And... Uh, and 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 I, I for me he's the best of the past 20 30 years i can't i mean i can't disagree with that um anyone else have anything to say on mr mr samuel or uh, is are, are we good for the inter legends for this week i think we're good. no uh, other business your honor no other business actually <laughs> <laughs> The prosecution rests. Right. Uh, thank you for that, Kriti. Uh, um, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with uh, the uh, something positive, the Moratti of the Week, which will be presented by Mr. Mo Nassar. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. So uh, my Moratti of the week uh, is again a nod to the amazing home support uh, at uh, at uh, the Miazza uh, Monday night uh, game against the relegated team, fifty seven fifty eight thousand supporters. The the club passed one million supporter home supporter mark yesterday as well. Uh, and uh, touching back on what we've spoken about in, what, in the most incredible, like ridiculous. You know, acid trip of the season, and still, uh, still the support is is, is the strongest home support in uh, in the country. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Moratti of the week has to be the the, the great home support that, that stands behind the club, regardless of the madness that happens off the pitch. <laughs> if only we can get the Curva Nord to uh, you know behave like Homo sapiens. Yeah, to behave <laughs> exactly behave like <laughs> like fully fully evolved uh, Homo sapiens. Homo sapiens, yeah. <laughs> you know that 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 wouldn't be that that wouldn't be too bad either. But that that, that aside, you know, uh, the, the one million one million supporters in, uh, in yeah with one it... with one game to go. I think we're we're number seven in Europe in terms yeah. of home support. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. We talk about all, all the nonsense that happens off the field and everything. And yet, this is what makes Inter such a big club. You know, this, this, this amazing, I mean, it's only a big club because of the supporters, nothing else. And, and exactly. you know, it's an note to them. Absolutely. Let's move on to something slightly more comical. Uh, the Frog of the Week, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! This week's frog is Mike Dean because <laughs> because uh, because he deserves it. You know, Mike Dean is an entertaining character at the best of times. He has gained a reputation amongst Premier League fans over the last 10, 15 years for being very flamboyant with the way he, he uses his limbs on a football pitch. Um, there's a he's got a very flamboyant way of giving a penalty and um, a bit of a character anyway. But anyway, he, he made the he made people laugh in a different way this week because obviously. In, in Italy, we spend a lot of our time trying to decide which referees support which football teams um, because we have a lot of suspicions um, along those lines. But there can be no doubt after Monday night's uh, League Two playoff <laughs> between Tranmere and Forest Green who Mike Dean supports because at the full-time whistle, um, Mike Dean was pictured by Sky Sports cameras celebrating like the nuttiest of the ultras 
in the uh, Tramia away section after they reached the playoff final. Um, and I just, you know, I just wonder what would have, what the reaction would have been if that had happened in Italy. Oh, you don't, saw don't, Gianluca don't. Rocchi at San Benedettese against, you know, Feral Pisalo celebrating like a, like a true sort of, um, like a true ultra. I just wonder, like you know, we'd, ne- we'd never have heard the end of it, but because it's in England, but, I think we can afford to laugh about it. The, the, it is astonishing. You know, the way he's just not dressed as a referee, which first of all is strange because we always see him dressed in his refereeing kit. But, you know, it's just the, the manic expression on his face as he's, as he's unleashing all his, all his joy for his, his side reaching the playoff final. It was quite something to behold. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel happy that he feels like he can, he can express that. You know, he's, he's, he's really shared his soul with us. And I'm, I thank him Ma- for that. Mike Dean, I think, is actually one of the people who could actually who could replace uh, Ranocchia's name in this award because he he's he himself, he could be the Mike Dean of the week because he's such a character he's absolutely out there um so no i i think that was brilliant. i couldn't believe it when i saw it and and i and, and that was hilarious to watch nice one um right uh, let's move on to something much more negative the moji of the week which i'll be presenting myself This week's Moji cannot be anyone else other than the Serie A for their pathetic way of handling the racist chanting aimed at Moise Keane by the Cagliari uh, supporters uh, away when Juve played Cagliari. Uh, they didn't do anything for a month. And today they released, uh, they released their, their investigation and they, and they concluded that Cagliari will face no punishment uh, because the chant was, and this is an actual quote, an objectively limited relevance. Their, ba- their basic argument here is that uh, objectively, the monkey, the monkey chanting was limited in its scope to Keen as a person and not because of the color of his skin. Which is, I've heard, you know, when I was doing, when I was studying law at university, we, we said that there was, there was judicial um, interpretation and there was judicial creativity and then there's pulling stuff out your rectum. This is straight up out the backside stuff. This is once again uh, evidence that the problem in Italy is not the fans, it's not the, it's not the, it's, it's not the supporters. It, the problem is the people in charge. They do not want to do anything. They, they, you know, if Fulvio was here, he'd talk about how Italians have turned sweeping the crap under the rug into an art form. This is once again that. You know, they've basically been counting on that. Well, if you know, once everything calms down, a month passes, we'll just you know not do anything, and everyone's happy. Um, this now they've done that, and everyone is not just not happy. Everyone is actually pretty angry, and deservedly so. And you know, as as long as you have the same people that have been in charge for the past 30, 40 years, nothing will change. It's utterly absurd, and it's disgusting, and unacceptable. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm, right. Um, I'd like to thank uh, I'd like to thank Dovsky Avoni uh, and Critty for joining us uh, this week, and I also like to thank you, Will. Thank you very much. Just remember, it's going to be fine. <laughs> enjoy your weeks. You won't enjoy Sunday. <laughs> I want to thank Mo as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And until next week, this is Nima Tavale Ruzzari wishing you all a good week, three points, and sempre e solo Forza Inter. Forza Inter